0: episode 75 a shout out craig says to hal gill the best 75 there ever was and friend of the show and friend of the podcast cool button hockey podcast is underway men among boys like are the abs from the future are they the jetsons that was never close never interesting never compelling it was a show from a lightning perspective, from the very first Nachushkin shift on Ryan McDonough, who's no slouch, it went, it was, good night, Irene. I, 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 it reminded me, sorry, Craig, 91, game six, Pittsburgh eight, North Stars late. Sorry.
1: Oh, Don't you oh, think? Oh, <laughs> you... I was trying not to remember that game six. <laughs> mirror Lemieux I need the Stanley Cup it's something I've always dreamed of having and and he left no doubt that it was going to be his uh you know that's a really good uh comparison it really is you talk about I mean we can make all the jokes right like you know the, you know when were they in trouble the opening face-off but after the puck got dropped the Lightning never had a foot in the game they never had a foot in the game and you know, you talk about the first shift with Nachouškin and Ryan McDonough. I mean, it, it was pressure, giveaway, penalty, goal. And keep this in mind. And and you know, I had to remind myself of this. It was seven nothing. They hit a post. They had missed three breakaways. Colorado Avalanche. Like like this could have been this could have been a beatdown that we have never seen in a Stanley Cup final. That that's how lopsided it was. And. You know, like Stephen Stamkos was brilliant after the game speaking, you know, you know, really, you know, that's a difficult spot for any player, but Stephen is mature. And he, he talked in a, in a manner that was, that was forthright. It was absolutely spot on. And here's the question though, Steve, when we talk about everything that happened in game two, it's great. Like, okay, Tampa Bay has to make adjustments. We saw what happened versus the New York Rangers. This isn't the New York Rangers that the Bay Lightning are playing, and okay, you have to make adjustments. Here's the question: Can they make enough adjustments? It's not like they have to fix one thing, Steve. They got to fix everything to handle the speed. They got to fix everything, and I don't know if you can fix everything going into Game Three of a Stanley Cup Final.
0: I I think they actually, because once they roped in the Rangers to use a you know Calgary Stampede analogy, once they last sued them and kind of controlled the series. They did so basically from a defensive posture, which then I would have to say to John Cooper, if nothing changes, you're, you're getting swept. So I would then say you, even though you're not as fast as them and you've got your own skill, I'm going to be the hammer, not the nail. And I'm go- You're going to come after them to score four. You're not going to win the series two, one, one, nothing. And it, it's not going to happen. I think I go down going after these guys. I've got point back. Do I want to play point with Kucherov and uh, Sorelli? Whatever they want to do. Whatever line combinations you think work now, trying to contain, play defense, take away the middle, Not. it's not going to work, Craig. Tampa's going to have to sit there and say, for this game, we are scoring four or five. And if you score eight, we'll shake hands on Wednesday. But for now, we have to try this because nothing else worked. Lost the close game, lost the blowout, lost the containing. First of all, I love Ryan McDonough. I'm not picking on him. What was that? What was that pinch? You mentioned the breakaways. Colorado had three-on-one, two-on-one breakaways from their own zone. Mm-hmm. Greg, it was, it was almost as if I go to this GTHL hockey, these tournaments. These teams come from somewhere else, and then they play the Marlies or the and the game is, oh, I feel sorry for the kids and the parents don't run up the score. Well, all the kids want to get to 10 points first, and then they take the foot off the gas. It was almost like an elite. You know what I'm talking about, right? GTHL team against some team from somewhere else. And you think, Oh my God, they might run the clock after two periods. Think about that for a moment. And then McCar goes and does. Okay. It can't be like, like it can't be this bad. It can't was too good. So my adjustment would be, I'm coming at them, and if we can't take it, we're not going to make it anyway. I, that's all I got, Craig.
1: So let me ask you this, though. Okay, so, so I agree with you. So, so you say that you got to take it to them. Okay, great. Tampa Bay could never get near the puck. How, 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 like, w- the speed is not just coming at you. They use their speed defensively. They, like, the defense are able to stand out for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then those forwards are supporting behind them. So even if you get the puck behind the defenseman, the Colorado forward getting the puck. And then they just regroup, and then they come right back at you. I don't, like, that speed has become such a major factor offensively. Transition. You talked about the two-on-ones, the three-on-ones, the breakaways. But, but they're using it exceptionally well defensively, too. Like, how, how does Tampa Bay get... To the puck, because if they can't get to the puck, nothing. strategy's not going to matter. They have to have a strategy to get to the puck. Steven Stamkos said, we got to put the puck in places that we can get to it. The problem is, is that Colorado's speed is, is not allowing Tapper to get to the puck. And if they can't get to the puck and play in the offensive zone, forget about getting the four. They can't get to one.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying... Uh, I'm not sprinkling magic dust and expecting. No, I know. Like, and the Kucherov clip, Kucherov comes to the blue line. He doesn't want to dump it in. He doesn't want to dump and chase or chip and chase or send it around, which he might have to now. But that level of frustration was him going, I got nothing here. Uh-huh. Like, it, to use a betting analogy, the Lightning keep looking at two seven, two four, seven nine. Like, no, like they're looking at nothing here and they're frustrated. They, so the only way is they're going to have to play with the hand they're dealt with and try to make something out of it. Because if they, if they do what they're doing now, it's a definition of insanity. So they'll have to find a way to get the puck to a spot where they can get in, hit the defense. Um, hopefully there's middle ice where they can carry it in. But, but right now it's almost the opposite, Costanza. Everything they've been doing hasn't worked. I think they need to try the opposite by maintaining the puck and then blitzing Colorado, hoping it leads to they're human. They make a mistake. They cough it up. Something else, because right now, I can't believe what I just saw Saturday. I, Craig, I haven't seen something like that for 31 years. And with all due respect, that was Pittsburgh, Minnesota. Yeah. This is Colorado, Tampa. Yeah. Oh, my Great God. Point. So Great I'm in point. shock.
1: Yeah. well I think we all were Steve we're all were in shock watching I mean uh, Colorado scores on the power play I mean what an unbelievable timing play that was with Nachushkin free like I mean yeah we know he had it but it was the timing of the whole play I mean I say this about football football when you make your cut well Valerie Nachushkin was a tight end he made it he made his cut at the perfect time and Krakowski, the quarterback, delivered it. It was Brady the gronk <laughs> for the touchdown. I mean, that's what it was just great timing. Steve, what I would do, and I I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. You know, we talk about trying to slow down the Colorado Avalanche, and I try to think about how do you slow down a team that fast? And, and it's not just that they're, they're fast moving the puck. They're fast thinking. Everything they're doing is fast. So my thought on that is, is that everything that I would do I wouldn't be dumping the puck in the corner. I would be directing every puck to the goaltender. Now Kemper has to make a choice. Where am I putting the puck? He's not the guy you want. He's the guy I want handling it in the uh, in the defensive zone. And then now you can, now Kemper's got to decide, am I putting it left? Am I putting it right? Where am I putting it? And I'm, t- I'm talking about just putting it right at him putting it right at him, right at him, right at him continuously. Now he's got to make a decision. Now the forwards have to wait. The defense have to wait now to go get the puck. And I think that that strategy can work for the Tampa Bay Lightning to slow it down and then now come in there and press. Slow it down first and then try to press in on them without allowing them to to get moving. Because as you dump the puck and you're not getting it, they just wheel and then those defensemen are gone. Like that, the forward a lot of times is making the breakout pass to the defenseman gone. You've you, you got to stop that. And I think the way you stop it is the worst puck handler is Darcy Kemper. Make him make a decision on every puck or as many pucks as possible. Forget the dump around, forget the shoot in, get it to him, and then he's got to decide I'm going here. And that, now everybody's got to wait for it. And now Tampa Bay can say, we engage there or we engage there. They're chasing too much all over the ice. That's how I would start in a
0: strategy. I like that. I like it a lot. I like it a lot because it's a building camper. Probably doesn't know very well. So he's now going to have to decide, am I going off to go whatever? Sometimes he's just going to freeze it, which means can't change depending on where the dump comes from and face offs in there, Faceoffs in there. So now you're not chasing Bo Byram when they go D to Byram and he's gone. What? Like there's, there's nobody in the league, nobody in the league has McCarr, Taves, and Byram. Sorry, one team does, that team. Like, <laughs> like where'd he go? Where'd he go? And selfishly, it reminds me of uh, somebody that I know. Sometimes you just do it because you can, and it changes. Whoa, 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 what are you doing here? McCarr was in on one of those four checks, has the right D in the left corner. I think... I think it was Craig Simpson. What's he doing here? You know what he's doing here? Expect and expect it. He's making you not know what we're doing. Like, and they couldn't, like they were flabbergasted. It was like the Russians almost. What are they doing? Recycling. What are they doing? What? And Nope, Nope, Nope. You're supposed to dump it in and I go get it. We don't play that way. Well, you should. Why should we? Cause it's better for us. So they did all like, I, I mean, after a while, at 7 nothing, you stop making it. <laughs> but I, I couldn't, like, I could, the execution on the goals. Yeah, the, McDonough made a mistake, and then the play pull out. Okay, they make those mistakes. But like you said, elite hockey IQ combined with elite speed, and another part of speed is moving the puck. That's elitism too. This team is elitism. They're elitists. These guys are elitists. And they can smell it like Mario. Bang, 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 bang. I get it how it's hard to stop it, but unless they're going to become Latvia and the lightning are going to, (laughs) or Germany, and they're going to say, we're playing one, nothing. Get it. Ice it. Ice it. Ice it. Ice it. Ice it. Kill the clock. Unless they're going to be that low hanging fruit hockey. I'd rather say, okay, let's go. Let's try to change the series somehow with our skill. And we've got guys have got speed, but I'm not very optimistic. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Um, It felt another thing. It felt like it did feel like the 87 Canada cup team Canada against West Germany. It is over. Like it's at one point, it's a glorified scrimmage at one point. What did you think about power play one being out at six, nothing?
1: I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. I, I, I think these stupid narratives. Oh, I can't believe. Listen, you know what? if it's about one game you want to stay sharp on your power play remember what what got the tampa bay lightning off on the right foot oh the power play and guess who what power play it was it was the second unit it was the second unit that got them off and running you know what i'm in the stanley cup final i'm jared bedner junk i'm sharpening my saw at every opportunity at every single opportunity i'm sharpening the saw and you know what I need productivity. I want my power play to be sharp. I'm putting out players that don't play on the power play. Why? So, so why? Because I, I want to make sure that I also get the good guy award for sportsmanship. It's about winning, Steve. It's about winning. I got no time for this stupid narrative. No time for it. And bottom line is, you get out there and you play. Because you got a game three. Because if it's only one game, well, good. You better be preparing for the next game. That's what Jared Bednar was doing. I don't buy any that garbage i think it's and i think it's garbage that's what i think okay well, it, these are professionals these are it, professionals it, go and kill the penalty uh
0: john cooper does the same thing on the other side he's yeah. he's done the same thing on the other side he I wasn't no complaining. complaining he wasn't complaining anyway they they think it was the media if it was three games in four nights and they had to get on a plane the next night and it was a regular season game m- maybe yeah. depending you, you, you know you're playing arizona and then yeah. tomorrow you've got to play Vegas. You know what? Different story, but you I've watched two five, nothing comebacks in my life. I've watched them happen live five, nothing games change. Now odds are, and everything else, put it this way. If Tampa had a seven, nothing lead and their power play, you know, their t- power play is over, like, you know, their power play is let them down from the Rangers series. So yeah. if they get a chance to sharpen their pencil they will sharpen their pencil, which is probably also why Vasilevsky has this Ken Dryden Brodeur streak. He just says, I don't come out. And, and John says, I don't bring him out. The media wanted him out. I knew he wasn't coming out. Like I would have taken him out myself. I would have said, Vasi, you're coming out, you're coming out. And as a bit of a feel good moment, right? Maybe at seven, nothing or five, nothing. I would have said, I'll give Brian Elliott some time. Like we, Let's let's refocus. But I, I didn't think he was coming out. They don't do that. 78 games, Craig, they, they, they just don't do that. So it doesn't matter to me because that's what Vasilevsky and Cooper doing. The others that don't know their strategy were yelling off the rooftops. So obviously if he would have taken a puck in the throat and got hurt, it would have been, what are you doing? I would have taken him out for, I just, he doesn't run the team. I do. So I would have taken him out, but I didn't expect him to come out.
1: But, but, but what happens if, like, you know, and, and part, of, part of this too, Steve, is his relationships. And John Cooper has good relationships with his players, like, like good coaches. So what, let's say John did just want to say unilaterally, I'm taking you out. Well, you know, like, that's not the way John operates, right? Like, so John goes and sits to Andre, says, Andre, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'd like to take you out. What do you think? No, no, no. I need to stay in. This team's given us some challenges, right? I need to learn some stuff. I need to get Intel going in. We're not winning this game, John. I, I get it. Right. But I need to get gain more Intel <laughs> going into game three, where we
0: have to win. What, what do you say then? I might have given it to him. Yeah. And then at seven, nothing on a TV timeout where it's not, in, then at that point that enough's enough. Right. And, uh, at that point enough's enough. What if Perry, which he did, you know, s- trips and falls and runs into Kemper. And now I've got, you know, is there going to be, I, I, I don't want to get into anything where, what have what what we talked about before? The, the law of diminishing returns. I don't want to get into a situation where behind the net, there's a collision. And now I don't have them for games three, four, five, six, or seven. Right. So that's okay. You know what? I'll give you the start of the period. We're going to talk again at the TV timeouts. And then the TV timeout at 7 nothing. that's it. Brian, you deserve this. You're in. Vassy. first shower. I, I, I think, I'm not saying I'm right. It's just what I would have done.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no problem there. I'm, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, as you're trying to gain, we talk about the Colorado Avalanche trying to sharpen their saw with their number one power play you know, Vasilevsky trying to sharpen his saw going into game three. Right. And, 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 and Steve, you know, this about me, I, I'm, I'm not a, what if person, I'm not a, what if, what if he gets bumped or here? Yeah. Well, guess what? What happens if he comes out for the beginning of the period and he trips on the, on the dasher board, you know, like, you know, what, what, what if, what, like, you know what, if you start thinking like that, in my view, then, then you can find every reason to, to go out. You can't go out on the ice thinking what if you, you go out on the ice going this is what we do and this is where we're, we're well trained for it. it's like the, i mean we had the f1 formula the formula one race in montreal those, those racers those car race drivers they're not thinking about going around the corner oh boy what happens if i slide here and hit the no they're thinking about i'm going through this hard and i know how to drive it that's what they're doing they're not thinking about getting into an accident they you can't <laughs> And neither do the hockey players or any top athlete in a collision sport. Anyway, that being said, you know, like, you, you know, you talk about it and you talk about sharpening the saw and, 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 and what I feel about it, but what I would say about this, and and, and just to finish on Tampa Bay and, and the Colorado avalanche is that, you know, we talk about strategies, right? Like we talk about this strategy or that strategy and, You just made a comment that I that really resonated with me, and this is what happened with Pittsburgh in 1991. Once they won Game Four, it was almost like we we can feel it, and I get a sense now that Colorado feels it. I I New York Rangers they never gave me that feeling. They never gave me that feeling that you know, hey, in Game One when they lost six two, the Tampa Bay Lightning they had lots of good chances. Shosturkin played really well. Like, it wasn't like it was a 6-2 shellacking and the shots on goal were 40-15. to They were right. And I don't have that feeling right now. I feel that the Colorado Avalanche have this thing, like, it's right there for the taking. And when Pittsburgh got that feeling, it
0: didn't matter what we did. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. And you try. And what we've tried to do is come up with strategies to try. Because, you know, when I've dealt with coaches before, And they say, what is the other team doing? Well, they like to use Patrick Kane here and they go behind the net. Okay, that's great. How would you defend it? Oh, no, no. The idea is action, reaction. So here's the action. What's our reaction? So we're trying, even though it feels like 91. Like like it, it does. And this feeling for Colorado and some of these players, it isn't just about this year this series this has been building right like this is this is a lifetime this is the cup is a lifetime achievement award it's not oh i've been in the league three years it's this is what nate mckinnon told mike zeisberger this is what kale mccarr is not talking about about where it would go and what i would i'm not talking about that i'm not talking about how i would feel or what i would do because we're not there we haven't done anything haven't won anything so that's about the feeling of controlled enthusiasm, quiet confidence. And if you're only halfway there when you've won two series, and it's so much the oilers were halfway there. That was just that was the boot camp looking up at Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, what's next? They weren't ready for the next level. Colorado's halfway up the halfway. Like, and and they sense it. So unless. Tampa change we both say if Tampa doesn't change something this will be a shocker heard around the hockey world forever we're we're not confident it's going to happen Craig but we're trying like we're as John Cooper will try and it's got to start with what you said about Vasilevsky and putting the puck in certain places that we can do it or they will never have the puck again and if they don't there won't be a game five. And that's a shocker still, even saying it, even saying, it, I'm shocked. That's why I want to believe Tampa is going to play. Well, wow. Do some great things, score a great power play goal and get back in the series, but I will need to see it to believe it.
1: Which is fair enough, which is fair enough. Right. And, and listen, there's every reason to believe that Tampa Bay can do it because they haven't given us any reason to believe that they can't do it. Right. And you know, they have a, they have a history of finding solutions. I'll leave you with this. Okay. Bob Ganey used to tell us all the time when we were pre-scouting in the playoffs, don't tell us how great the other team is. Don't tell us how great the individual players, we know. Tell us what we got to do to beat that team. Tell us what we got to do to limit the best players on the other team. That's what we need to know. For the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's the approach they got to go in. They're not talking about how great McCarr is. They need to talk about how they limit McCarr. They don't need to talk about how fast Colorado Avalanche is. They need to talk about we're taking away that advantage they have. And if they can do that, I'll tell you what, it'll be significant in game three and we'll have a series.
0: Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook, 19-plus, play responsibly. Game three, Monday, what happens?
1: Steve, I said game two, lightning would win. <laughs> like, win win what? Win a face-off? <laughs> win, win a two-minute segment? They one nothing, right? I, I honestly believe that uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have not seen the juggernaut w- that the Colorado Avalanche are throwing at them. I, I really don't. I mean, the speed in every regard, defensively, offensively, transition in every single regard. I, I think the Lightning are in big trouble. Uh, I think that they're in big trouble regardless. The series ends in four if they don't win Monday night. I think they're in tough to win Monday night.
0: I think this could be a six goal game, five one abs. Okay, well, maybe because of faith, maybe because of the other side of the moon, I will take the Lightning to win game three over six, give up the puck and a half on the money line, and give us a series. Give us a series 5-3 with an empty net or Tampa because they have to. If not, this is the 70s Habs against everybody else, I think. At least that's how it feels. Go with your gut. Go with your mind. Craig and I are on opposite sides, but it doesn't feel good for the Lightning. With the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see what sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus. Play responsibly. It's like bits and bites. Gonna put my hand in, pull it out. We're gonna talk. We're done. Put my hand back in and and, and do it again. Um, Are you a double dipper? Are you George Costanza? Are you double dipping? Only in my bag. If I'm, if it's all my bag, I'll double dip. But I'm the only one who eats out of my bag. Okay, just want to make sure we got a big audience out
1: there that might be dipping into your bag. Like you know, you better be careful here.
0: No need double dipping. You know what I do? I pour bowls for everybody individually. Here's Craig's bowl. Here's Bruce's bowl. That's what I do. I pour bowls, styrofoam, little or paper plates, whatever they are. A styrofoam at the window. But anyway, okay. Peter DeBoer, John Tortorella, Barry Trotz. And I think we already did Bruce Cassidy, what we think Bruce is going to do. Peter DeBoer's next. The musical, the, uh, the, musical chairs, the goal, the goalie carousel we've talked about. Now we've got the coaching carousel Peter DeBoer in Dallas is the answer.
1: He's a really good coach. I mean, we know Peter's a good coach. And you know what? I think when you go and you consider, uh, you know, what you're trying to do as the Dallas Stars, I mean, the Dallas Stars, they have some really good young players, you know, on their team and coming, you know, Miro and Jake Ottinger, Jason Robertson. I mean, they are making the switch. They are, they are making the switch. They're the most outstanding player in the OHL this year, Wyatt Johnston. I mean, they, they got some really good players. Anyway, that being said, well, now you know you still have a, a team that can be competitive. That you, you know can you know be a little bit uh, that needs a little bit more with Rick Bonus leaving, and I think that Peter DeBoer is is one of the coaches that can get more out of that team right now. And I think that that's really important. You you, you can hire different coaches and everything, but you got to look at what a specific a specific coach can bring to your team. They need a little bit more offense. I think Peter can bring that element to 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 that team. He, he, he had it in San Jose. He certainly had it in Vegas. And I think that that's something that works really nice. I, I, I see a fit there. I see a fit that would be positive for Peter and for the Dallas Stars.
0: A great point by you with some of the younger players and Peter's junior hockey experience. It's about turning these junior American League into NHLers. So, uh, and it's a change um, for Rick Bonus. God bless him. What a great yeah. career! Um, and getting younger behind the bench and a different personality with his experience. So, Barry Trots, can I just say, can they just hire him already? Like, like what are we waiting for? We we know the market four and a half for Cassidy, four for Tortorella, Babcock set the market with his contract. So, hire Trots in Winnipeg. Just hire him and get get it over with, Craig. What are we waiting for? Well, so so well, he, here's what I would.
1: Say we don't know what we're waiting for, you know. With respect to Barry, we know Barry's a top-notch coach, right? But I don't know exactly what Barry. I, I don't think it's so much about what the dollars are. It may be you know the the input that Barry wants, and 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 a post-coaching role, which has been reported as something that he would be looking right so you know how does that fit for the winnipeg jets how does that fit for kevin shovel dayoff right and as those conversations go on trying to understand how it all works together right I, I will tell you this right now if a coach wants to come in and he wants to have say over every player decision see ya, you're not coaching my team <laughs> because if i'm the manager good then i got say uh, then i get input on uh, on who you play and i get input on the lines it's not the way it works Not the way it works. It needs to be collaborative, right? So I'm not suggesting that that's where Barry's at, but trying to understand how you come to uh, an understanding of what's important to Barry and what he needs and what we need as an organization, you know, know, obviously Bruce is hired in Vegas. John Tortorella is now hired in Philadelphia. We just talked about Dallas and perhaps Peter DeBoer. You know, I don't think Barry is, is looking to go into a situation that's, that's a rebuild or anything. He's a good coach. He's, he's taken teams and pushed them to a higher level. And I think uh, the fit in Winnipeg, he could do exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah. And you're not saying those things are happening. You're just saying that if you're going to be a Bill Parcells, that's, that's not what we normally have in the hockey world. Right. If, if that's what it is. So do you think at the end of the day, those dominoes will fall, and this will get done. If not, Barry's going to coach somewhere. We're running out of coaching carousel spots. So does, does he wait a year? Does he jump into a Florida? Like, does, does do, do we get wowed? Oh my God, Barry's into, like, what happens if Barry doesn't sign in Winnipeg? Well, I mean, I don't
1: think John Tortorello didn't coach last year. It didn't take him off the coaching market. Bruce Boudreaux didn't coach. And then he got back into the coaching market. I mean, you know, just because we look at openings doesn't mean that at some point during the season, there might not be a team that's looking to make a change. And Barry becomes absolutely a leading candidate if he's not already coaching. So I don't think Barry not, not settling on a place this year is something that's, is going to take him out of any consideration for other jobs, <laughs> like it will. Do I think that that's? I mean, we can look at Barry's from Manitoba. I look at the Winnipeg Jets. I look at where I think Barry could be a real instrumental figure in helping that team go to another level. I, I see such a such a perfect fit, but it's got to fit in a lot of different areas, and it's got to fit for Kevin Cheval Dayoff and Mark Chipman and the group and what they're trying to do. You know, because if you start, and, and here's here's what you got to be careful of. If you start, you know, in, in in a situation now where you know you get out of balance and, and and the coach starts to have all kinds of input here, there, and everything. Scotty Bowen, one of the great coaches, not one of the great, the greatest coach that's ever coached in, in, in maybe sport, but forget about hockey, but maybe in, but amongst the greatest in sport, he went into Buffalo. Sam Pollock said he was never a manager. He never was somebody, he was a coach through and through. Scotty left to go to Buffalo. He took over a team, okay, general manager and coach. He coached some, he managed all the time, coached some back and forth and everything. He went into a really good team. By 1987, they were the worst team in the league, largely because Scotty didn't know how to manage. And the input that he put in was was really poor. Teams have to be really careful of that. (laughs)
0: And that led to Pierre Turgeon, right? Eventually. Yeah, but Pierre
1: Turgeon was the first overall picker. It, it, the point wasn't about Pierre Turgeon. The point was that was a really good team in Buffalo.
0: He took him right to the basement. Good story. I remember it. I remember Dick Irvin saying Scotty Bowman waves goodbye to Montreal. And then he took the Buffalo job, which is probably the only thing Scotty doesn't like to talk about when he comes on our show. And I understand why Craig, cause you just brought it up. Speaking of first overall, put my hand in the bits and bites. Um, there's some that believe it's a three headed monster for first overall in 2022. Craigslist is out. How does Craigslist respond? Well, I, 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 I still see Shane Wright is
1: the, is the best player available in this draft. I, there's too many elements to Shane's game, to me, that scream NHL success and contributing to significant team success. There's just too much there. And you look at other players and you talk about Uri Slavkowski, Logan Cooley. There's other players that I don't think are getting consideration as being real r- really good players. There's going to be really good players come after the first, second, third, fourth pick, whatever. We know that. We know just by history there's going to be really good players selected after that. So it's not just like that. But Montreal has to make a decision. And, you know, Steve, I, the, the things that have concerned me uh, when I hear the stuff about first overall and Shane Wright are, wow, well, he doesn't pull you out of your seat. Well, he doesn't pop. He doesn't have a wow factor. Yeah, okay, that's great. And I, I went back to my own experience in 1995, our experience in Dallas. We drafted Jerome McGinley. You know many people said to us after we drafted Jerome, what do you see in Jerome McGinley? What did you see in Jerome McGinley? You know, Jerome never pulled anybody out of their seat. Jerome never wowed you. Jerome never went end to end. And so if that's what you're looking for, you were never going to get it from Jerome McGinley. But if you wanted a player that was really, really good, at, and we drafted Jerome, we thought Jerome was going to be a really good player, really good player. We're, we were wrong. He was a superstar. And <laughs> we thought we, we, we projected him as a 30 35 goal scorer. We thought he'd be a really good player. You draft somebody at 11. He was a superstar. He didn't pull you out of your seat. He didn't have a wild Steve, I'm, I, I can't begin to tell you how many people, I'm talking to NHL people. What did you see in Joe McGill? What did you see in Joel McGill? We just sit there and go, wow, okay. Obviously, not what we saw. I feel exactly the same way about Shane Wright. Uh, It would be one thing if somebody said to me, well, Shane isn't a good skater. Wrong. He's an excellent skater. Well, Shane isn't. I'm worried about the hockey sense. Wrong. He's brilliant. High, high, Ike. Oh, I'm I'm concerned about the hands. Wrong. Really good puck skills. I'm concerned about the playmaking. No, really good play. I'm concerned about the defensive play. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's about things that don't matter. I don't see a better player. Available in the 2022 drop. I don't see a better player. And you look at other players and you look at what they add. I don't see a better player. Simple as that.
0: When he makes up the year that he lost, eventually, you know. 18 months,
1: I'll add. I'll talk about 18 months he lost. Not just a year, 18 months.
0: Yeah. So you can't go back and insert after that first OHL year, another OHL year. So it's almost like a little catch up and some other things. Shane Wright. At 21-22, I can't wait. And whoever gets them, probably Montreal, um, they'll see. This isn't about winning today, winning the 18-year-old lottery. This is about winning the player for the next. And guess what? In 95, Jerome McGinley was first overall. Jerome McGinley, like Kel McCarr, really, first overall? Jerome McGinley really was, you guys got the first overall pick? Congratulations, Craig.
1: We got the best player at 11. 1-1. We got him at one <laughs> Let me, I'll just say this real quick too. I keep, I keep hearing a lot of this. Well, you know, 1980, the Montreal Canadiens drafted Doug Wickenheiser. And you know what? And like that happened 42 years ago, Doug Wickenheiser, I believe had 81 goals with the Regina Pats. He was a big, strong sentiment. I can't go back in time and understand why it didn't work out. I, I, I just don't understand, but I know this he had 81 goals. He was a top-notch player. We all know in hindsight that, you know, he didn't have the career in the NHL that he was projected to have. But I do know this. There was an inexperienced GM at the helm. Any advice I have for Kent Hughes, recognize your own inexperience. You've never been part of a draft, you've never been a manager, <laughs> you've never been part of player, you're hearing a lot of stuff. Be careful about, you know, trying to rekindle 1980 because the people that were involved in 1980 and and I know the people that were involved in 1980 were highly highly successful for a lot a lot of years the scouts and the player personnel directory a lot a lot of success so don't go look at one thing look at all the successes they had in the process make sure you know your process
0: so you 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 have a feeling Montreal's not taking Shane right? I have no feeling whatsoever.
1: I, I, I don't have any intel. I, I, I know the facts, though. Kent has no experience as a GM, no experience at running a draft, no experience going through the process of preparing for a draft. That's a fact. So if you want to keep, and I keep hearing it from a lot of different people, they keep going back to 1980. You better forget about 1980, okay? Stop fighting that war. That war is done, Okay. <laughs> You know, how many times do you hear generals wanting to fight the last war? Kent, deal right with right now. And in 1980, the Montreal Canadiens had had phenomenal success with the group of people that made that pick. You're going to, you're going to, sometimes mistakes happen. Sometimes players don't end up being what you thought they were going to be. That's all I'd say. It's a cautionary tale.
0: Great story. Great story, Craig. That brings us to Final Thoughts brought to you by UltimateHockeyFans.com ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash coolbuttonpod for our discount on ceiling fans and puck light fixtures. It feels like the four last major awards are going to go Matthews, Yossi, Mo, and Igor, which I'm fine with. I have a feeling that Ted Lindsay's going to go to Connor. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if you know anything. It's, it's almost fate accompli. Would any of those dominoes shock you if they didn't fall the way they did? Final thoughts, Mr. Button?
1: No, no, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. If Austin Matthews is the uh, Hart Trophy winner, Shesterkin's going to win the Vesna. There's just no question about it. That's, that's voted on by the GMs. Keep that yep. in mind. Yep. Okay. Most Cider, I mean, the best rookie in the league this year. I don't think there's any question about it. And then you look at Roman Yossi. I think Roman Yossi had a, had a, had a, had a year for defenseman. I mean, and, 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 you know, Steve, we hear it now all the time. Oh, Geez, you know what? Like if the MVP voting was, was done now in the in the uh after the Stanley Cup playoffs, Mccart or Denora, sorry, Mccart would win. Listen, the rules are it's the regular season. The voting was done before the playoffs started. Roman Yossi had a season that hasn't happened since Ray Bork in '93,
0: '94.
1: <laughs> That's that doesn't mean you're the best defenseman in the league. That just means that you were deemed the best defenseman this season. And so to me, Roman Yossi, if Cale McCarr wins it, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised at all. If yeah. Conor McDavid wins the Hart Trophy, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll be surprised if Sisterka doesn't win the or Sider doesn't win the, the Rookie of the Year. That's where I'll leave it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's been a great year. Uh, a a winning Game 3 will make it uh, more fun this week. If not, the Shocker will continue because uh, no one has their hand up before the series lightning in four and if they say now they're liars they're just (laughs) simply liars that's episode 75 episode 76 we'll talk a little memorial cup we might talk stanley cup the way the dominoes might fall for craig button in saint john new brunswick i'm steve coulius be well be good and we'll see you next time